Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets is finished. I cannot believe he's done that. Caught in front, caught by the hall, caught using. Australia wins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the OTB Headlines. Uh, this is a new weekly podcast with myself and my special guest host, Mr. Bobby Hurley. Bobby, how are you, mate? Good morning, Robbie. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Busy Wednesday, just finished uh, coaching on deck and uh, ready to talk about all things swimming. Yeah, well, we called it the the um, special swim news thing, and I think we're just going to settle with OTB headlines. Um, it was meant to come out weekly too, but as everyone knows uh, in the swimming world, I mean, the swimming world is not that busy all the time with news. We're not flushed with news every single week. This is not the NRL. So uh, Bobby and I are going to touch base at least once a fortnight, and that'll give us a bit of time to go back over some of the news and, and current events and all that sort of stuff. But, mate, how you been? How's, uh, how's life treating you over there in Singapore? Yeah, pretty good. They've um, just started school. We're in week two of the school year now, so they start school sort of end of August after the, the summer holidays, which is similar to that uh, American schedule. So just getting back into the swing of things and, um, yeah, just enthusiastic to, to coach for this upcoming summer season or long course season, I should say, through to uh, national age. And so is that national age our national age over here in Australia is you, when you bring your team out? Yeah, we're going to um, – that being the probably the, the end of the summer focus for that. So we uh, had seven girls come out for that meet last year so looking at bringing um those seven and a couple more again and um, just have a, a longer prep and a, and a bigger focus for that meet um we're also going to do western australia state champs in december so i've got a good couple of trips to to look forward to obviously trips trips back to australia as well as all the school swimming here in singapore as well but obviously those meets back in australia um are just at a higher level so uh it's a good growth experience for those girls yeah, no, it's exciting, mate. It's exciting times for yourself uh, and it's exciting times for junior swimming uh, around the world at the moment as one of the topics we're going to cover today is junior world champs in Israel. Uh, we're also going to just touch base on the World Aquatics uh, Aussie sanctioning, so we're going to talk about that um, for what we know of it anyway. We, we don't profess to be... Um, uh, in the inner sanctums of it all, but we're going to touch base on it. Uh, we're also going to cover uh, the World Aquatics partnering with Bond University for Pacific Islands uh, hub up there, which is exciting for them. And then also a Com Games update. 
apparently uh, the Premier down there is shelling out 380 mil. He has to give it back to the Commonwealth. Um, so what a great uh, decision old mate made down there. Anyway, we'll cover that. <laughs> we'll cover, imagine having to give back 380. Sorry, here's 380 mil. Please. My goodness. All right. Anyway, let's touch base on uh, Junior World Champs. It's exciting. It starts on Monday the 4th of September, as I said, in Israel. Um, I've never been there swimming-wise, Bobby. I don't think you've been there, but I'm, I'm assuming the high-class facilities, it'd be exciting for our juniors. I'm going to go run through the Aussie team in a minute, but exciting over there? Yeah, just look, they had um, in Netanya, they had the 2017 Euro Junior Championships over there a couple of years ago. So um, no doubt they've got a good facility, but really good practice for, for the Australian team coming over and obviously going to Europe or on that edge of Europe, there's a big time change. There's a, uh, a lot of adaptation that needs to happen. So it'll be good to see how um, a lot of those Australians, which are, which are our, obviously our best juniors and um, are coming in seated sort of top three in a lot of events. It'll be interesting to see off the back of um, obviously the, the senior world championships, how the junior team goes in that situation. Well, and we mentioned this, I think, last time when we had the Youth Com Games. It's been a while since our juniors have been able to get out of the country and race the world and with all the different COVID breaks and, and they weren't having them on. And um, we mentioned Flynn Southam, which we'll get to in a minute. He's one of the sort of big names heading up the team over there in Israel, but um, not being able to get out there and race the world. So, you know, it, it's going to be a great experience for our juniors, especially if we're looking forward to... Uh, 2026, 2028 uh, Olympic Games where some of these guys will start to become uh, more mature and, and sort of progress through and sort of hit their peak. This is some great experience through these periods, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And um, uh, there's, there's, as we said last time, there's a high percentage of medal winners from Junior World Championships or even swimmers that make the Australian team for this meet that go on to convert to be on the senior team and then obviously uh, contributing to the medal tally at Com Games and World Champs and Olympics. And as you said, with Flynn, uh, obviously he's already on the team. He's been on the team for two years. So, you know, he'll, he'll come in as hot favourite in his freestyle events. So it'd be good to see him internationally sort of be the man to beat and see how he can execute his race. But there's, there's a lot of uh, good swimmers on that team. I'm, I'm sure we're about to, to go through that. I would... I would think that one or two others from this team um, will get on the Olympic team next year or be very, very close. That's how, that's the strength of them. Um, you know, obviously, on, especially on the women's, their relays are so deep, but there's a lot of girls knocking on that door. And then also, um, from my own experience, when I was on a handful of these junior teams, you start to look at where are the opportunities to make the, to make the senior team. Um, I remember... Vince Raley used to say to me, what's, what's the ticket onto the team? You know, because I was a, a mid-distance freestyler just coming through. And he goes, well, Grant Hackett just retired. Maybe the ticket's in the 1500. Maybe you've got to go for that. So you start to find, you know, is there a, a women's medley swimmer that can get the, the A qualifying time next year? Uh, women's breaststroke, that's available. Men's 200 fly, who, who's going through there? If some of these guys can make a big jump in those events, they rocket themselves into contention for the Olympics next year, which is um, for the swimmer and the coach, obviously a huge motivation. Yeah, next year is going to be, um, you know, I don't want to sound like I repeat myself how exciting next year's trials is going to be because we've already got uh, a well established 
Um, fantastic Aussie team. We've got a lot of athletes who were injured or having breaks and coming back and trying to get into that team as well. Uh, and then you've got a lot of this youth that is pushing up and trying to get into, and no doubt a couple of them will, will make that team next year. A couple might just miss. We saw that in 2021 with Lizzie Deckers and Sam Short just missing the Olympic Games they're just missing a qualifying and things like that. And that was devastating. But then we see what they've gone on to do since that. So there's no doubt there's different roads. As you said, some are going to jump on the team. Um, some might just miss the team. And um, there's only so many spots to go around. But yeah, they're, mate, there's some great names on here. And <clears throat> I don't want to single people out just because um, obviously I know them. But Jacqueline Barclay from St. Peter's, I did a bit of work with her when I was up in Brisbane. Um, she learnt nothing from me, so she's not on there because of anything to do with me. Uh, she's an absolute talent. She's doing great stuff up there with St. Peter's. Um, Bella Grant um, from Trinity with Ben Tuxford there. She's doing great stuff as well. Josh Kerr, Manley. Um, Hannah Casey um, from Maris up there as well. She's a phenomenal talent. I saw her coming through up there as well. Um, we've, who else have we got on here? We're, oh, Olivia Wunsch. So, um, Olivia Wunsch is someone obviously that we've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast. I'm a big fan. Um, uh, Flynn Southam, of course, uh, Olympia Pope. Um, mate, there, there's a fair few and, and you can feel free to jump in and, and if you've, anyone's caught your eye, but there's some great talent coming through. Congratulations to some of the coaches. And these are just some of the ones that I know. So again, no offense to the ones I don't name, just I, I might not have met you yet or haven't come across, but yeah, Ben Tuxford, Michaela Pattinson, um, getting on from the New South Wales team, Richard Slight, um, James Boyce, who may or may not look exactly like me, depending on who you ask. Um, I've been confused <laughs> for him many, many times. We don't acknowledge it, but I think we, we now do know that we look very similar and Kyle Samuelson, uh, who's a great coach up there at Bond as well. So congratulations yeah. to the coaches that are getting over there. We'll touch on that in a minute too, Bobby, with the coaching uh, experience and getting that um, chance to get out and coach at a different level. But just that team that I mentioned then, phenomenal talent. It's certainly going to be uh, rocking and rolling over there in Israel. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm not sure too much in terms of the history of the Australian team at, at the world junior level, but this definitely on paper right now looks to be one of the strongest teams in recent memory. And just, you know, you, you've been talking about how strong the women's freestyle is at the top level in Australia and obviously seeing a lot of those swimmers that only race heats at world champs or are just missing that. But knocking on the door, as you said, you've got like uh, Hannah Casey, Jamie DeLutis, Olivia Wunsch, uh, Amelia Weber, and there's one more in there, I think, another female, Miller Jansen. They're all basically 54 and... 158, 159 freestylers, like that makes most senior teams, except probably Australia and the US, that makes most senior teams. There's a lot of, uh, they all sort of go 59 in the 100 fly as well. So like really, really high level over there. So just looking forward to seeing how they convert that at the international level in, you know, in a different world, in a different continent over there in Europe. Um I think Olympia Pope and, and uh, Hayley McKinder, so women's breaststroke, there's a, there's definitely opportunity there to sort of climb the rankings and assert yourself. Um, I think Olympia Pope's like 14, 14, maybe just turned 15. So a lot of potential there from, from you know, young female breaststroke, which we've seen in the past from Liesl Jones and, and other people like that. And then probably one that doesn't get as much fanfare, um, Edward Somerville. 
obviously he's racing those same events as Flynn Southam in the, the 50, 100 and 200 freestyle. But short course recently, I saw he went like 47 and 144 short course. Not bad. Which is, that's, that's you know, knocking on the door for, for world-class swimming. So mm. he's in form. That was, that was recent. So he's got to carry that. Um, into international waters and he's got, you know, a, a proven performer like Flynn Southam next to him. Um, and then the other one I'll, I'll mention, Alex Foreman as well from Kincumba up there on the central coast, um, you know, big, tall, long backstroker, continues to improve. He's got speed. Um, you know, he, I think his pet event's probably the 200 backstroke and it's got a, a lot of improvement and a, and a big frame to fill out as well. So, um, men's backstroke in Australia, by by no means. Um, any anybody's got those positions locked up. Mitch Larkin's still coming back from injury there, so um, Foreman's really really gone from strength to strength over the last couple of years. So interesting to see um, how for you and I, being New South Wales coaches or, or New South Wales based, just seeing how a lot of those kids um, go over there in Israel. Yeah, well, there's definitely a, a good contingent of, of New South Wales swimmers, but also um, a few uh, swimmers from Victoria as well, and definitely uh, more than a few Queenslanders, as always is. But it's good to see that the other states are pushing to get onto the team as well, as it should be. Um, you know, no doubt that the Queenslanders have a good stake in in what they're doing up there and they're getting on teams, and it's fantastic to see. But selfishly, um, I'm excited to see the New South Wales swimmers and coaches getting on there and having a crack. I, I think if you go back in the history of off the blocks and you look at when I had Molly O'Callaghan and Jenna Forrester and Ella Ramsey and these sort of swimmers on there and uh, it all came off the back of uh, junior world champs and things like that and experiences that they'd had and opportunities to race and then, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not um, reinventing the wheel here. It's just paying attention and seeing who's swimming fast and who's coming through and I think this is another opportunity uh, for the listeners out there to stay tuned, I mean, obviously it's hard sometimes to see these swims, but if you're on social media and you're looking at Instagram, World Aquatics, and uh, there's definitely a lot of different pages to follow, just keep a track of it. I, I think it's it's exciting to see, and as I said, a lot of the um, talent at the moment that's hitting the Australian team that's coming through, like Amolio, has come from um, doing really well at World Championships, Junior World Championships, sorry. So it's certainly a good form guide in terms of one uh, swimmers coming through. Yeah, it is. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if Molly won at World Juniors. I think she got medals. She was on relay teams and whatnot, but she was by no means – an absolute superstar. Like we saw David Popovich race World Juniors last year um, on, on the men's side. That's where you're getting, you know, somebody who's winning at the senior level yeah. race, a junior level meet. But so Molly was obviously a standout junior. She went to the Olympics at 17. Uh, Could he again, still swim sure at if, World Juniors? Sorry, Bobby? David? Um, not sure young if he's enough? 18 or if he's just sort of turning 19 at the moment. But it's, it's I mean, I, I don't think he is, but... Uh, like he's not swimming, but I didn't know whether he was eligible or not. I think he's off the top of my head. I think he's 2004, so he's okay. turning 19 this year. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's for those guys that are 2005 or, or younger. Yeah, um, true. But yeah, it's not. Uh, again, just being in that level and getting that experience, right? Working with other coaches, seeing how other countries operate. Um, you will naturally get those people on the team that that thrive in that environment, in that atmosphere, and step up and put together their best races and you, you no doubt get the same percentage of swimmers that 
um, aren't as comfortable in that environment um, that don't get it right the first time and need to keep learning from continual international experience. So um, it's just good that we get to see how these swimmers react in those environments um, earlier in their careers, not to say that it's it'll be like that for their whole career, um, but so that by the time they are racing internationally at the senior level, um, there's there's a level of, I guess, experience that, that they've already had and um, coaching staff and, and even fans can um, expect how they're going to go uh, at racing internationally. So, yeah, should be good. And as you said, we'll be able to catch different bits of footage um, on Instagram, on social media, on Swim Swam as well. But it um, be good to see those times coming through. Yeah. yeah, it's always handy just to keep an eye out <clears throat> and everything comes through um, in, in you know, little increments these days, which is, you know, what I was saying to my athletes when the world champs were on, when they kept saying, oh, it's too late to watch. I'm like, comes out tomorrow in a little two minute and a half grab. You can literally click the <laughs> click it and watch it. It's not like the old days, like you and I used to have to put the video and, and click record. So um, if you're on Instagram, as I said, or, or any of the social media platforms, it's going to roll through. Just keep an eye out, have a look. Um, I, I touched on the coaches there as well. And from a coaching perspective, it's it's a fantastic opportunity as well, isn't it, Bobby, to put yourself in a, an unfamiliar position? I mean, some of these coaches have been in and around junior Australian teams before, uh, no doubt, but some haven't. Um, so it's it's fantastic experience for them as well to be in the pressure cooker and, and, and how do you, um, you know, operate in that environment do you do you you know obviously coaches come away learning from those sort of experiences as well yeah for sure i mean uh it's easy to sometimes forget that the coaches are on this journey as well and they've got to learn and be comfortable in that environment and control their emotions and coach them as that they're not normally coaching and deal with bad swims and select relays relay teams and tell people that they're not on a relay team like it all happens from from a club level to a world junior level all the way to the senior level. And Simon Cusack's heading up that coaching team as well, who's um, obviously not actively coaching right now, but has got uh, a couple of Olympic cycles um, at the top level under his belt. So he'll be able to advise those coaches underneath him about what the process is on the Australian team, how they actually go about selecting relay teams, when do they hold team meetings, um, all those things that they go about being a part of the Dolphins team. So, um, yeah, really good for, for a lot of those rookie coaches that are on their first team. Yeah, well, and Simon will be great, especially for that sort of calm ahead. Um, you know, I could imagine, as you said, at times things can sort of um, be frazzled or not everything always goes the way it's supposed to be uh, to going. And as you said, you can be as experienced as you like at the Australian Age Champs and all that sort of stuff. But all of a sudden, if you're at the World Champs and you've got athletes that you may or may not have coached yourself and all of a sudden you're in looking after them and all sorts of things are going on. I'm, I'm assuming sometimes there's tears behind the scenes and, you know, people missing their, their home coach or their parents or things like that. I mean, we don't see that on the TV screens or on your phones, but it does happen behind the scenes. So for a first-time coach, probably looking after those sort yeah. of um, things is is all you know can be daunting. So I think Simon will be a great, cool, calm, collected head to be around that environment just to uh, keep a look on it. So as I said, guys, uh, it's over in Israel, fourth to the 9th of September, Junior World Champs. Good luck to all of the Australian uh, Junior Dolphins swim team and coaches. Um, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on it here, and and no doubt, Bobby. Um, having a look at the information as it comes through and then talking about the results. Yeah, just what you said there about managing emotions 
from the coach and the athlete's point of view over a well world champs is an eight-day meet I think juniors is a little bit shorter than that but you know listening to your podcast recently from um from Kaylee and, and Ariane they they both mentioned that early on in the week that they, they broke down crying like yeah. imagine being coach of Ariane Titmus she's doing her dry land in the team area before the fauna freestyle and she's crying right because she's just so hyped right like she's mm. so switched on she just got all this emotion that as she said she can bottle that up and put that into a race but you know maybe that's why dean is the way he is like he's just gotta he's just gotta juggle that and kaylee you know saying she wasn't too upset after the dq it happens whatever the next day sees a photo of it and goes up to Rowan and just starts crying. Like yeah. that's something that Rowan has to deal with and Bowley has to deal with and make sure that she's switched on and ready for her next race. Like uh, that's happening at, at that level. And trust me, no coach is comfortable like that. You know, no father's comfortable like that, no mother or whatnot. So th- it's, it's all about managing that. And it's uh, it's a sprint, not a marathon. It's, it's a big week. Um, one swim doesn't doesn't change anything. So um, they're sort of the core things that I like to think about, knowing that what's the next step, what's the next step forward. But um, it happens a lot. We see it at, at training, at club nights, at school meets, and it happens at uh, at the top level as well. So there'll be a, there'll be a lot of emotions this week in in Israel, and um, it's good for us as fans to sometimes hear those stories or even see that as well, and, and understand that that these athletes are human at the same time. Yeah, well, yeah, you're not wrong. I think even Kai Taylor mentioned, um, and his one isn't out, it's coming out on on Friday as we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, He mentioned following his um, trials experience and he didn't have a great heat swim and, you know, there might have been a drive home in the car with mum and there may have been some tears in the car, which we obviously know he came back and turned it around and turned it into a positive in the final in that 200 freestyle. But you're absolutely right, and I guess the difference with these juniors is, um, Bobby, that you know those athletes that we just discussed are experienced, and they've sort of got the understanding now of how to use it and turn it into a positive. Where these youngsters are learning that, so um, yeah, good as, as we said, good luck to all of the uh, junior dolphins team over in Israel. We'll certainly be cheering you on um, from over here in Australia. And as I said, keep a check on on Instagram or all social media accounts. There's definitely going to be news. Coming through, it starts on the 4th of September. Uh, mate, now the next one, the next item on our agenda, uh, and now I'm hoping you're a little bit more across this because I've only got a brief bit of it, but it just certainly sort of caught my attention. World Aquatics looking to, um, you know, sanction the Australian team, uh, potential bans around um, governance and, and stuff like that. So whether we've got uh, enough athletes' voices in the I don't know, mate. Listen, you, that's why I brought you <laughs> on here, for the voice of reason. But certainly sounded a bit ridiculous in terms of um, any uh, potential Australians, Australian swim teams getting banned because, I mean, we are one of the biggest uh, swimming teams in the world. So I can't imagine it's going to happen. What, what have we got to do to, to get back on side with the boss as I like to think of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not too uh, too dialed in on, on the political side of things, but it definitely caught, well, publicly, I think it caught everybody off guard and it's, and it's a great headline in Australia to say that the swim team could get banned or, or sanctioned like that. But ultimately, it sounds like with the, with the change uh, in constitution from World Aquatics that Australia's 
this, the swimming federation just need to get on board with those changes, which a big part of that is giving more a, a stronger voice to athletes and to coaches. So definitely from from what I've seen with World Aquatics, there's new governance in there. There's a new um, uh, president that's been there for a couple of years, and there's a lot more of an American um, and English influence at the top level um, at World Aquatics. So some of those uh, the problems that FINA had in the past, they seem to have um, have gone away, and it is more focused on the athletes now. There's there's a lot more athlete ambassadors out out at the World Aquatics that giving the swimmers more of a voice into an input of these competitions and how they're actually run and what what how they can make it better for the swimmers. And I think it'll be positive to have that um, transfer into into swimming in Australia back here um, as well and knowing that the, the athletes can feel like they have an equal voice um, and that the, the Swimmers Association can maybe be a little bit better respected and, and have a stronger voice there and, and the coaches as well because obviously – the sport is built around um, not performances, but the people involved and the swimmers and the coaches. That's um, that's that's where um, where we're getting our success from. And then, obviously, everybody around that just needs to do their job. Yeah, well, I don't have any sort of background information, but I, I know Bronte Campbell, I think, is on that um, board from an Australian point of view. And I, I do think there was something going on the other day behind the scenes and meetings. So I don't think it'll take too much to... Uh, cross some T's and dot some I's. And I, I know I had Bronte on the podcast and her episode's coming out next week as well. And we did discuss, you know, her being on that. Um, and I think she's perfect for that role. She's she's certainly uh, got the experience and the knowledge behind her. Um, I mentioned to her that I'd like to see her stay on that for years to come, even after her swimming ends, because I think she's a great level head uh, for that sort of um, arena. Um, you don't need someone like me, cowboys in there that can flip tables and just get a bit emotional at the, when they don't get what they want. I think Bronte is someone who is certainly a lot more level-headed and um, has a great way of getting her point across and certainly the athlete's perspective as well, as you mentioned. So I don't think it'll take too long to get uh, around it. I think they, as we were already talking the other day, I think they were already um, fixing that up and getting it sorted behind the scenes. But as you said, it was certainly a headline. I wanted to make sure we covered it because we cover everything. It's called ATB headlines. Um, the next one, mate, is World Aquatics partners with Bond University for a uh, Pacific Island hub. What do, what do you know about this? Um, only, yeah, another one that sort of wasn't surprising as such, but, um, you know, World Aquatics does have these development centres all around the world. Um, the, the big one is in Banyapura in Thailand where you get a lot of the, the stronger um, Asian swimmers move to that beautiful location there in, in Banyapura and, and train um, on scholarships from World Aquatics and get to travel and do the, uh, the World Cups and the World Championships each year. So, you know, I, I think it's just a reflection of swimming in Queensland and, and southeast Queensland really, um, you know, just getting a stranglehold on, on world swimming uh, with the the Olympics in ten years' time, um, you know now with this partnership with World Aquatics, I think it just shows that it's it's really going to be an international hub. There's already a handful of New Zealand swimmers that that have moved to Brisbane and the Gold Coast to train full time. Um, with the, with the success that the teams got, it wouldn't surprise me to see more of the Europeans come over. We've we've had um, there's been a couple of Swedish swimmers that have always been basing out of Queensland, but um, you know it wouldn't surprise me to see more of world-class swimmers essentially permanently base themselves in Australia, where it's at, whether it's at um, Bond with uh, with this program or, or anywhere else. 
Um, but I think, it, you know, that's, that's the attraction now that swimmers from developing countries can have that as an avenue to train at Bond under Chris Moody and with a squad that's got Flynn Southam and, uh, and a bunch of other swimmers as well. So um, that's encouraging. And, and again, with, with the Olympics in, what's that, less than 10 years away now, about eight years away, mm. I would think that Queensland would get a long course world championships. I hope so. That'd be cool. You know, Australia, Melbourne just had the short course worlds, but I think they could, if they get that facility up and running or I'm not sure if it's a temporary or a permanent, um, it'd be really good to see a, a long course worlds in, in Brisbane before 32. Um, and, and who knows what's going to happen with Commonwealth games as well. But, you know, obviously Gold Coast and Brisbane's just turning into a, a massive international sports hub. Yeah, well, there's plenty. There's plenty of opportunity in terms of uh, venues and facilities up there. That's for sure. Um, you mentioned that there's a few hubs in and around the the world. What What's the idea of these hubs? I mean, I, I know you're not in there and you, you haven't drafted up the, the the plans and all that sort of stuff, but you'd have a rough idea more more so than myself. What's the idea with these sort of hubs? Is it to help? develop uh, and produce uh, swimmers from uh, nations that may not have the, the same sort of support? Yeah, I think that, that's exactly right. Don't have the, the access to facilities, the level of coaching. Um, and from, from my understanding, there is a, a financial assistance to help these swimmers uh, live and train there as well. So, you know, there's one in, there's one in Florida in the US, which I didn't know about, but um, there's a couple in Europe and through Asia and the Middle East, but uh, Thanya Pure has probably always been the the, the more lucrative one, um, and they sort of have have a better showing at the World Championships as well. But you know, would would it would we see sort of New Zealand swimmers based there, or other countries from from um, you know stronger swimming programs? I wouldn't think so. I think it's more for those smaller Pacific Island nations. Um, you know, we've seen Wes Roberts train in, in Sydney. Uh, for a long time, for probably six or seven years, um, you know, and he's he's sort of in that a similar sort of program there, but, but being able to base himself in Sydney and and represent the Cook Islands internationally. So I think it'll be more um, just more access to those sort of facilities and coaching for less developed nations. Yeah, well, it's exciting, um, and it's exciting for for those athletes to get the opportunity, as you said, to work with. Chris Mooney, um, fantastic coach, doing great stuff at Bond. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see um, what, you know, as we said, moving forward, what we uh, can see from some of the Pacific Island uh, swimmers that go and train there and, and hopefully lift those uh, standards around them. So, mate, the last one I've got here is Com Games Update. Now, I don't want to say that I've got a scoop because I don't. So, you know, if you've listened this far waiting to see what's happening, you, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Uh, all I know is that 380 mil, as I said, had had to give it back to the Commonwealth from Mr. Andrews, the smart guy that he is down there who decided even though he had the venues already set up, <laughs> he'd, 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 he'd get some money and put out more more venues, more more out in the regional areas because that just makes sense. Let's spend more money. Um now, the other thing I did see in my research, and Bobby, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have heard or seen more, is that potentially London or Scotland have got their hands up to, to maybe do something. Um, I, I know that their sort of mayors and people have put their hands up to say we can do it, and maybe it might even be a, a combined, you know, two different cities working together. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly disappointing, especially at this level of governance to be, a, you know, 
so close to what is it now two and a bit years and we've got nothing set up yeah it's pretty disappointing yeah it is obviously that was um again that that caught everybody off guard the athletes and, and everybody involved when when melbourne pulled out and from what i read that birmingham hosted the last commons games for for a billion dollars and now this guy's wasting 380 million that's you know 40 percent of the budget you could if you had a better plan you could run the whole meet for uh run the whole competition for not much not a whole lot more investment than that so you know it surprised me that nobody's put their hand up and, and jumped on that straight away you know um would have thought sydney or, or queensland uh could could do it so i think there's concerns about the longevity of of the commonwealth games as a multi-sport event will that will it be going for years and years to come i i wouldn't think so i think there might be like a, a commonwealth swimming championships and a or a, maybe just a three or four core sports that get together for a almost like a mini games experience um but but yeah the time's running out so you're looking at uh, cities that have existing facilities that have the infrastructure to hold it which um which is difficult and i think queensland probably won't because they had gold coast five years ago and they've got brisbane in eight years time so well six years from from that so i wouldn't think queensland will be able to invest too much into that so yeah concerning um and disappointing like you said but hopefully somebody can jump up um and, and be able to host this either in 2026 or i think they said potentially 2027 mm. but then again that affects the whole olympic cycle for yeah i'm getting sick of all like that stuff people else. just putting this yeah. back putting that back all of a sudden now they've got people i think you've either got to stick to your schedule or you scrap it because you can't keep read because as you said it just keeps putting everything else out doesn't it all of a sudden you've got yeah. how many world championship events how many different this different that there's all sorts of things going on. I'd like to think our new king, because I'm pretty sure this is the first Com Games under his <laughs> under his reign. I think I don't know if the last one, um, the Queen was still around or not. I can't remember exactly, but I think this is his first in terms of him being the there. Just make get a hold of it, put on a show for everyone, and then then you know look after it. They've got money. They've got money. The royal family. They've got money. They've got money. All right, mate. Yeah. It would, it would make sense, but, yeah. but yeah, like, you know, from a competitive point of view, Commonwealth Games just doesn't really rate yeah. uh, in terms of swimming as, as, a, as a main event for that, for that year. I mean, it suits being in that middle of the Olympic cycle because there's no world championships that year. But even still, we have a tendency to probably focus more on the Pampax because that's when the Australians race the US team. So, mm. you know, if it was, if it was 2027, it, potentially Australia aren't even sending their best team or basically using it as a as an in-season competition. So, and, and if it was in Europe, for example, then that's going to be very hard to, to factor in. So, uh, hopefully it all works itself out sooner rather than later so that not just swimming but all sports and coaches can begin to plan around that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as we said, hopefully something gets sorted out um, and, and the potential of, as you said, it, it being split and it being more multi um, sported rather than one big thing at once. Maybe it gets branched out and all sorts of things. But um, we've got to get something happening. As I said, it's pretty disappointing. It's almost like you know uh, the local you know clubs are running something where you know you're just like, have we heard anything, love? No, not yet. Like this is <laughs> these are world governments. This is the big 
Anyway, it just goes to show everyone's human. People, not everyone gets everything right. So, especially old mate down there in Melbourne. God bless him. Surely he doesn't go another, another another round. He's just making too many mistakes. Anyway, I'm from New South Wales, so what do I care? Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Bobby Hurley, for joining us again this week all the way from Singapore. Thank you to the listeners for joining us once again. As we said, we're going to try and do this at least once a fortnight. If we can do it weekly, if something comes out next week where it's big news, we're certainly going to jump on it. Um, but if not, certainly every fortnight. And it's a great way just for us to... Uh, touch base with the news going on around world swimming and, and give you guys uh, a bit of an insight into what's happening or to be to be honest some people might listen to this bobby and what what sort of insight did i get Robbie said something about com games really gave me nothing at the end other than bagging <laughs> out the victorian premier the whole time so who knows but we're going to keep touching base once a fortnight mate plus i yeah. get to see your your beautiful big head once a fortnight so that's, that's all I need to see. So thank you very much, Bobby, for joining us. Thank you to the listeners once again. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next time. Cool. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. I just